Hey, 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 and welcome to the show today. My guest is Bridget Fernero, and we are talking all things sensory profile today. I cannot wait to have this conversation. We were talking backstage, and there are so many amazing insights that Bridget is bringing to this conversation. She's going to be talking about sensory processing disorder. We'll be talking about sensory processing delays. We'll be talking about how sensory differences and processing and all the sensory stuff shows up in burnout a little bit differently and so much more. Thanks for being here today. And hey, I got all kinds of really cool stuff for you today, including a sensory profile tool that you're going to not want to miss because I got some great discounts coming up for you. So stick around as we hop into the show today with the amazing Bridget Fenero. Hi, I'm Carol Jean, late identified autistic ADHD human and your host of the Mind Your Autistic Brain talk show and burnout restoration unveilers community. You're about to experience the new way to thrive as a neurodistinct brain and body by getting off the chronic cycle burnout loop for good. By unveiling your authentic self, defining what thriving feels like for you, knowing your burnout signpost, so those top 20 burnout warning signs are a thing of the past, and stepping into your best life as the creator and leader you are meant to be. Get ready because this is where we go against the mainstream. Say no to outdated self-care tips and we say yes to who we are in order to create an energized, authentic, peaceful, and harmonized world. Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain. Welcome to the show, Bridget. I'm so glad you are here with me today. Hello, Carol, and hello, everyone, to viewing. I'm so excited to be here. This has been like five months, five, six months in the making. We definitely have. We have been planning and chatting and working with both of our schedules. I know you are a super busy woman. Bridget works at NBC, and she has quite the busy job. What is exactly is that you do? Share with everybody. For sure. So I uh, support the the Peacock team. So direct to consumer, our direct to consumer business. Um, I schedule job interviews for a living. So on a monthly basis, I schedule anywhere from 400 to 500 job interviews in a month. Um, and I schedule interviews for the entire direct to consumer team. I support 13 to 14 recruiters. Um, so I'm a very, very busy be scheduling job interviews, working in candidate experience. And then I'm also a part of one of our employee resource groups. I'm a part of my abilities network, which is a disability advocacy employee resource group. And I'm a part of our Southern California chapter. And then on top of that, I am also pursuing my master's degree at Arizona State University in uh, my master's in communication studies through my tuition reimbursement program. And I've been I just finished my first semester this month. And yeah, so that's that. And I've been with NBC for a year and a half. 
Well, congratulations. And yes, ma'am, you are quite the busy bee. And holy cow, the mad organizational skills that requires for that volume of scheduling. You got to give me some tips on that one for sure. Hey, I see we got Laura in the house. Hey, Laura, so glad you're joining us today. So as we kick off the show, I've got some fun insights and things that are happening in the world. So here we go. Number one, um, this is a picture of me last night about midnight getting ready for this show. I I am looking real pretty, y'all. I got my, my hair clipped up, no makeup <laughs> I was sitting there kind of testing out some things for the show today. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is I got to share this with everybody because this is how much this show means to me. This is how much our community means to me to make sure that I'm bringing everything to you as best that I can to make sure that you're getting all the information you need to get out of burnout, to live your best thriving life. And I'm so glad that you're here with us. Hey, Charlie's in the house. Oh my gosh, Scott made it. Hey, Scott. Wow, I am so excited to see all my friends showing up today. Thanks guys for being here. So this was me last night. And I spent like four hours yesterday detailing my car uh, because we're moving and I'm trying to sell my car before we move. So this was me looking real pretty after all that. Okay, so just a quick reminder, if you were with us last week, or if you haven't, go check this out. Christine Jenkins uh, joined me last week, and we were talking all about autistic menopause, and she is part of the incredible group for Bridging the Silos Autistic Menopause Study. The study is still open. The survey is still open until midnight tomorrow night, June 1st. So if you qualify, if you fall into this category, and uh, you would like to add your voice to this, please, please, please do as a woman who is in perimenopause and who could really use some guidance from people ahead of me on the journey. If you're on the other side of this, they want you to. So please show up. Please help me. Please help all of your other autistic uh, community folks that are going through this. We would appreciate it. Okay, here is something really fun and exciting. So this week in Canada is National Accessibility Week. It kicked off Sunday the 28th and it runs through Saturday, June the 3rd. And here is a fun thing. Tomorrow is Red Shirt Day to show your support for Accessibility Week. So I will be sporting red tomorrow. And Bridget, didn't you say something about um, an Accessibility Day here in the States? Yes. Uh, last week on the 18th, it was National uh, Dis Accessibility Awareness Day. And here at NBC, we sent out a huge a note celebrating this magnificent day. And um, it also ties into May being Mental Health Awareness Month. And so there's just a lot going on. And um, yeah, so spreading awareness is something I love to do and shining a light. So this is really cool that Canada has something similar up north. I love this. And I love how I love how I always see your post and when you're sharing stuff about all of the amazing things that NBC is doing and the my accessibility group. I'm really excited because on June 21st, I will be presenting to all of the my accessibility in NBC and Universal Studios all around burnout signs. So I can't wait for that. You definitely have to make sure you show up for that one. I'll be there. Awesome. And I know um, when we had our accessibility day here in the States, I don't know if you guys have met Meredith. She's the founder of Profound. And oh my goodness, 
what an incredible group. And I'm so excited. Um, I was actually invited to be one of the founding members for Profound. So I'm going to be stepping into that in the fall. And I, I can't wait to work with Meredith and the whole team over at Profound, really looking at how are we transforming our, our work culture for accessibility and inclusion and diversity. So one of the things that I love about and the way that I learned about Accessibility Week in Canada is from my NeuroDrive team member, Sydney Elaine Butler. She is the founder of Accessible Create, and she was part of the Shine a Light campaign in our Accessibility in the Workplace conversation. So if you would like to learn more about accessibility, if you would like to bring in some accessibility training and conversations into your workplace or your employee resource group, please reach out to me. Sydney and I would love to set up a time to come in and work with you and your staff. Okay, moving on to the next big thing, y'all. This is huge. My friend, Manura Drive team member for the workforce, Dr. Scott Furrysard, published an article that will just thrill your heart, tickle your soul, and make you cheer. He has written his version of We the Autistic People, the Autistic Bill of Rights. He's got it published over on LinkedIn. Go check him out. Here's the preamble to this, and I'm going to give you some highlights here. Scott says, every person, regardless of neurology, possesses inherent value, potential, and rights. In recognition of the unique experiences and challenges faced by autistic individuals in a world often not designed for them, this Autistic Bill's Bill of Rights affirms their right to acceptance, respect, and support that values their neurodiversity. He talks about the right to exist, the right to life and preservation, the right to identity, the right to self-expression, the right to autonomy and self-determination, the right to accessibility and accommodation. Oh, that's such a big one. The right to social inclusion. In our way, guys, I love this. The right to communication, the right to education and employment, the right to freedom from harm, the right to health care. Ooh, that's one big one I always talk about. The right to policy inclusion, the right to advocacy and representation, the right to privacy. Scott says, by affirming these rights, we strive towards a more equitable and inclusive society, one in which every autistic individual is respected, valued, and allowed to thrive as their authentic selves. We reject the commoditization of autism and commit to a world that honors and nurtures neurodiversity in all its forms. Thank you, Scott. Oh my gosh, Bridget, what did you feel when you heard that? Very affirming. Um, is I, the best way to put it was very affirming um, because there's even in the workplace it is still so hard to get like workplace accommodations um, and people are still feeling scared to come forward and saying I need assistance in the workplace um, when it comes to like having ADHD or autism or something like that and people are afraid of retaliation from their employers so uh, it's so important that this document exists. And it's, again, just so affirming um, coming from a professional uh, standpoint. It really is. And so thank you so much, Scott. And so guys, go over to LinkedIn, check out Scott Frasard, F-R-A-S-A-R-D, and check out this article with we, the autistic people, autistic Bill of Rights. It is just so good. And so I've read it like three or four times now. I've really, really enjoyed it. 
Oh, Scott says, thank you for sharing. You are so welcome, Scott. It was my pleasure. Absolutely. Guys, I, I have got to get a new mouse. This looking is driving me crazy. It's driving me crazy. I apologize. <laughs> Okay, as we're kind of moving in, I want to wrap up some of these fun things that are coming up. But I want to let you know that this year, this will be the third annual Self-Care September here in Mind Your Autistic Brain. And this year to celebrate Self-Care September and also the release and much awaited release because I've gotten so many messages lately from folks going, when is your book going to publish? When is your book going to publish? <laughs> it's going to publish September 1st, guys. How Spicy Is Your Burnout is publishing September 1st first. So here's what's really exciting. I decided to self-publish because I couldn't get publishing houses that were interested in publishing it with all the accessibility features that I wanted to do for one flat price. And I said, you know what? Heck with this. I will start my own publishing company and I will just pave a whole new path in publishing. So here we go. Mind Your Autistic Brain is now in the publishing business, folks, and this book will be published in open dyslexic font, bionic font, a very easy, readable sans serif font. It will come in an audio version as well as a video version with live captions. I am looking into getting some signing to uh, someone with sign language to be added to that as well. And it is also going to be, a, you're also going to be able to lip read with this one because I think sometimes for me, it was really important because when we're in burnout, how we process information can change day to day, right? And that's one of the things we're going to talk about just a little bit is how our sensory system also changes moment to moment and day to day. So it's really important to be able to have different access avenues to take in information. And when you're in burnout, you really got to have that. You really do. Because some days I could read, some days I couldn't read information. Some days I could hear, listen, and I couldn't listen other days. And this information is something that's going to help you get out of burnout. So I want to make sure that you can access it and use it in however is best for you in that particular day. So be ready and available and taking a look. Starting August 1st, you'll start seeing all the information coming out to pre-order the book, to get in with the self-care summit because that is going to be held Saturday, September 30th. And I cannot wait because this is going to be fantastic. I'm putting a great speaker panel together. This is going to be a day of self-care, of burnout restoration for all of us to come together and really thrive. And I got a special self-care box coming out that you can order with the book and the self-care summit ticket. That's going to have some amazing things all from autistic business owners and creators. So Make sure you look for all of this coming out in August and stick around to the end of the show because today I have a special tool for you guys. So my first steps to burnout restoration course comes with those two most powerful tools that I have, which is your sensory profile tool and your needs reflection form. Well, I know that not everybody right now may have the funds to do it in the big chunk or to do the whole big program. So I broke this out for you guys today because I want you to be able to really get started on your sensory profile restoration because that's such a big part. So the Century Profile tool, along with lots of bonuses that I'll be sharing with you and a special discount code so that you can get additional funds off of this. So stick around to the end and we'll be talking about that. Bridget, holy cow, let's dive into these amazing things that we got going on here today all around our Sensory Profile. So Bridget, what? let's kind of start with like all of our senses, right? Because mm -hmm. like, most people think there's five, don't they? Yes. Okay. We got way more than that. <laughs> yeah, there's way more, especially if you're super sensory, uh, overloading, like I am, like everything just is extra in the world of sensory processing disorder. 
Well, before we jump into that, I know there was something really important that you wanted to share about sensory processing disorder and about identification in that. Would you kind of share with people to kind of set the tone and, and sort of the heart and the space for this conversation today for us? Yes, for sure. So one thing I want to stress is that there's it's never too late to get a diagnosis um, for something like sensory processing disorder or ADHD. I found out at the age of 26 from my psychiatrist that I had both. Um, and it was like an aha moment for me to get ADHD. But the added on of sensory processing disorder was uh, quite the uh, learning curve for me because I still am still figuring out what sensory processing disorder is. But um, having those two key diagnoses are my way of being able to figure out how I work in this world and how I know how to function and I know what my needs are and how I can give feedback to people or at, at what my needs are from my manager or personal life or whatever the case may be. Um, it's ever-changing and there's never any two days are the same when it comes to sensory processing disorder one day you can tolerate like texture like silicone to the next you absolutely hate it as i found out yesterday i bought as a silicone phone case and i could tolerate it for 30 minutes and after that i went back to my plastic uh iphone case so you just never know where um you sit in the land of sensory processing disorder I have a feeling someone would be the very joyful recipient of that new silicone phone case. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite color, green. Oh, man. I love green, too. It's one of my brand colors. I love it so much. <laughs> that was what I loved when you sent over your picture, um, that you have this beautiful green top on. I'm like, oh, she has green on. How perfect. So, you know. One of the things, was that a surprise for you when you got your ADHD identification, when it also came with the sensory processing disorder identification? Did that surprise you or were you expecting it? I had no idea what sensory processing disorder was. Um, and the ADHD was a, an aha moment, like I mentioned. Like it was, um, I had an auditory learning disorder um, in elementary school. I was with an IEP. I had um, special gym class that I had to go into because mobility wise, I was unbalanced. I had to go learn how to do my own things with like dodgeball or hopscotch or whatever the case may be. Or um, I was in speech therapy as well. So like I had all of these different things and um but i was moving along after the sixth grade where I, they discharged me or graduated me from the iep program and i was put into regular school classes with everyone else and i struggled so much because i didn't know how to take in information like your regular neurotypical people and it it struggled with me throughout my entire life and just the little things from like me I love the taste of strawberry jelly, but I hate eating strawberries. I love ketchup, but I hate the texture of tomatoes. So like when I was going into all these different things of what sensory processing disorder is, I was like, huh, I'm not a picky eater. It's just, I'm a texture person. I'm very textury and I love just different textures or I hate them. And so it kind of all made sense slowly, but surely. So, um, and having sensory processing disorder is uh, a work in progress because I still am figuring out what I'm sensitive to or what I cannot even be near like smells or even being overstimulated by being in a big crowd of people. And this, I love concerts, but 
I can get claustrophobic in random times. So sensory processing disorder is, it's, it's a work in progress. Oh my gosh, it truly is. And I'm telling you, I don't know if you guys were doing this as Bridget's talking, I'm, I'm like checking all of the little relatable boxes over here so much about, okay, so before Bridget and I came on to, to start the show today, we were talking about ketchup. <laughs> so we got a question for you guys because Bridget absolutely loves ketchup. I'm on the other side of it. I can't smell it. I can't stand it. I can't even wash it off of Josh's plate. And Josh is a massive ketchup lover. He and Bridget would get along fine. Like we could go shopping at Costco for, for ketchup bottles together, apparently. Because I have to buy them for him and she likes to get the big ones too. So are you a ketchup lover or ketchup avoider? Let us know in the comments. Drop it in the drop it in the poll over on Spotify. If you, if you're listening to the replay on podcast, we want to know: Are you a ketchup lover or a ketchup avoider? <laughs> I love that you put avoider and not hater. No, I don't hate it. I just the smell and the just it's not my thing. So no, I, I just it. love the 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 language you use because I I'm so used to being like you love it or you hate it. So avoid it is like even better than just straight up hating it. So language I, is I everything. You know, it makes such a big difference. It really does. And in our, in my sensory profile tool, uh, when the, when you use that form to go in and look at all your different sensory needs and what might be showing up for you, because here's a little insight, guys, your sensory system is very different in burnout than it is in your thrive time. And that doesn't mean that you don't still possess or have or experience a particular sensory thing like auditory or tactile or something like that. It's the level or degree to which you experience mm -hmm. it that can change. And sort of like Bridget and I were talking about, it can fluctuate all throughout your day, depending on what the demands are, what the stresses are in your life, that's going to change all of your sensory profile needs and, and the level or degree to which you experience in them. And in that, I created that sensory profile tool because when I went out into the world, everything was about the deficit, the medical deficit of my sensory system was broken. It wasn't operating correctly, quote unquote. And that really made me mad. And it made me feel horrible, it made me feel really bad about myself and about my sensory system in the world. And, um, I had a problem with that. So like most things, when I find something that I don't think works for me or for other people, probably I create something that does. So the sensory profile tool that I've created is very neuroaffirming. It talks about what are you sensory see? What do you sensory avoid? Because those two things talk about what pours energy into you and what drains energy from you. When we're talking about burnout, that's a really important thing to know about yourself. And we're going to talk about not just the five senses today. We're going to talk about the seven senses. Oh, yes. Okay. So Jillian, hey, Jillian, so glad you joined us. She says, I talked to five plus vestibular proprioception. Yep. We are getting ready to get into that as a designer looking at environmental inexperience. Totally. That is such, oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing, Jillian. I mean, seriously, think about your environment. Oh my gosh, Bridget, what would you say comes up for you just going out into the world when you're talking sensory systems? Uh, overwhelming smells is my big thing. Um, and 
feel so texture and smells are my two big things that going out into the world um, that are really could be really taxing on me. Um, One scenario I like to talk about is the first time I went to San Francisco in 2018. I went with on a school trip representing my university and we went to this Vietnamese restaurant. I've never had Vietnamese food before. Um, And I walked in and I could not sit still without hyper focusing on the fact that everything smelled like fish and shellfish and just everything was my mind couldn't think of anything else except for the fact I need to get out of this room I'm gonna faint the smell this place smells terribly I can't focus on a conversation because all I'm hyper fixed on is the fact that this place stinks and I need to get out of here so I tried for about a half hour just sitting in this room with a bunch of people from across the country doing this, uh, being a part of the school trip. And I'm just like, I need to get out of here. I don't care what is happening. I just had to walk out. And that was one of the very first times I really was overstimulated by the smell of something I couldn't handle. And uh, on top of the fact I have allergies and asthma. And so just they go against each other and everything's amplified. Oh my goodness. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for sharing that experience. Cause I know that there's also a whole lot that goes with that. Cause there's like that story that we tell ourselves like, Oh gosh, I feel so bad. Like I had to leave. And then mm-hmm. I don't know if you're like me. And then especially if it's like summertime or humid environment and you go into a place that has a lot of smells that are just overpowering and then it permeates your hair and your clothes and it's like Ugh. I in my skin and I can't get home fast enough to, to like wash. Nope, 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 not agreed. <laughs> Hate it. <laughs> I mean, I remember, um, I'm from the deep South. So I remember, and my grandparents are from New Orleans. So I remember going to, um, New Orleans in the summertime. And sometimes we go to like to Jackson square, we go do something, you know, they're bringing us like to the aquarium or something. And there would be like seafood smells or the trash cans and stuff like that. And I just remember, oh my gosh. And I have a really sensitive gag of reflex too. So mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry, anybody that I just said that to you and it made you feel icky, but you know, those kind of things and people don't, and I didn't recognize for myself, especially growing up, I didn't recognize that I mean, I knew that I was seemed to have experiences that were like more intense maybe or than other people. And then sometimes the feedback that I would get is like, oh, it's not that bad. Oh, just it's not it's it's you know, you're fine. It can't you know, it can't be making you sick at your stomach. It can't be making your skin hurt because you touched that. You know, did you have any of that? Because then you kind of onboard that story about why and how you experience that. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, one scenario is that uh, it's also very sense sm- the, the theme of me is smells, apparently. Um, I went to New York recently uh, for the fourth time and I was there for a week. And by the second day, I was over the smell of New York because there's garbage everywhere. It's smelly. It's like just so much trash everywhere and the subway is nasty. And the only thing I could do to avoid the smell of the stinkiness was wearing a mask walking around town at night. That's not a bad thing. I mean, keep the germs away. But um, that was one of the only things I could do was just try and mask it and 
go along. Um, and this is something that is completely new to me because I have the Three previous times I've been to New York, the smells were not that bad. And I went in the in May when it was like 75 degrees, which is like considered beautiful weather for the East Coast and New York. So all the fun of uh, having sensory processing disorder and just taking in all the all the senses. That's like the best way to put it. Oh, totally. And yeah, Grace and I had a conversation earlier this afternoon and she said she ordered the gel migraine cap that I recommended. So guys, there I get headaches and especially with perimenopause coming back, my hormones are are changing and it's really impacting. I'm starting to kind of get migraines again. And, and uh, so Grace and I were talking earlier and I said, oh, this has been the greatest thing. But from a sensory standpoint, I was really aversive to it because it was cold. So I was like wanting warm stuff, and I was seeking that because it was more comforting and I was like avoiding the cold stuff. But when I finally was just like, I was so miserable that I said, heck with it, I'm just going to go for it. And I put it, the, the cold cap on and I just kind of sat with it for a minute. It was really interesting because the response that I had to it was incredible. And I, I don't know if it was like maybe some of my PDA coming in that I was just like, ah, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Do you have stuff that happens like that? Like, you know, that it's probably going to help you, but you're just like, from a sensory standpoint, you have this perception or this idea of what it's going to feel like or sound like or, or whatever. And you're just like, uh, 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 yeah. Like, uh, vitamins, for example, um, or taking big pills. Um, I, I have to really know that this is helping me, it's helping my body. I have to get over the facts of whatever I am ingesting and just dealing with that um, and knowing that I hate swallowing like big vitamins or pills or whatever the case. That's something that I've dealt with. I'm trying to think of uh, other things could be like a specific uh, like texture of clothing. So like, let's say I tried it on at the store and I liked it in the store, but once I am in my own space or I'm going about a day and I'm wearing it and I realize that it's itchy, I want to take it off. It feels like my skin is crawling. Like, and I didn't, the texture didn't bother me at the time, but then it came back full circle. So it's just, little things people take for granted of not being having to deal with super sensory sensory stuff and when like let's say if i'm super stressed out that everything's on overdrive everything is extra and more intense than the average me of like just trying to avoid like a smell or a piece of clothing i hate like it's it's all the above oh it totally is and you know jillian has some great questions here in the chat. I'm going to kind of pull these in yeah. and layer them in because I think we're in a great place to kind of have this conversation. But on that note, if I go clothes shopping, I have to mentally gear myself up and I have to plan restoration time for afterward because for me to go clothes shopping, I'm such a tactile person. We're going to dig into the senses in a sec, guys. So I'm, I'm all about the touch. But oh, my fingers are tingling just thinking about it. So I will look at a fabric on the hanger and I will determine, because I've learned, whether or not I will even touch it. Mm -hmm. Because there are certain fabrics, if I've gone clothes shopping and I've touched something that makes, I cannot get the feel oh my off God. my hands, it makes my skin crawl, makes my teeth mm -hmm. hurt. You too? I'm, I hate corduroy. Really? 
I hate corduroy and I hate leather. Corduroy, like I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Like the corduroy skirts were so popping back in the 90s and early 2000s. I hated it. Hated it. Hated it. And then another thing was I hated wearing jeans for the longest time. Like my parents thought I was strange or that I they didn't know why I did not want to wear jeans or fitted clothing. And it was because I had sensory processing disorder. I was sensory aversant to sensory. Like I didn't like those things and they just took it as she just will not wear it. And she's just picky or she's strange or whatever the case. I had to come into my own, uh, my own journey and start like wearing like jeans, like regular people, like in high school. So it took me several years to start wearing different types of clothing, but like to corduroy, forget it. Oh my gosh, Bridget. Okay. So you just gave me like this huge breakthrough that I never realized <laughs> around denim. Holy cow. Okay. So here's one of those things where when you're avoiding something or you just don't like it, it, it is not in jive with your sensory profile needs, right? I did not own a pair of jeans until the last few years. And I remember girls commenting because I would wear skirts and I really like dresses because I don't always like stuff rubbing up against all my parts mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I remember several comments being made about, oh, she's so stuck up and prissy. She won't even wear jeans. Like she wears a dress to, you know, whatever event was going on. And I'm just like, oh my, it really hurt my feelings mm-hmm. because it wasn't true. It wasn't me. But it was, the denim was too stiff and it was really rough. It was like sandpaper on my very sensitive skin. And until a few years ago when they started making really soft, smooth denim that's almost like silk and it's got the spandex. So it's like buttery soft. I can wear that. So now I own a couple of pairs of jeans like that. But, oh my gosh, thank you for that breakthrough and awareness. I did not, mm mm-hmm. Okay. I had not put those, those two things together. Yeah. The clothing, everything, like it all, I I've gone through some of this stuff myself and just realizing that it wasn't because I was picky or it wasn't because that I was quote unquote strange or whatever the case may be, or if I didn't want, like wearing certain brands of clothing, it was just because it didn't align with my sensory profile at that time. And when you don't know what your sensory profile is, I mean, you sense it, you feel it, you know it, but you don't have the context or the words to describe it or put it into some format that you can communicate clearly to yourself so you can communicate to other people what those sensory needs are. That can be really frustrating. And that was one of the biggest reasons I created my sensory profile tool, because one of the things that contributes to burnout is our sensory system. Mm -hmm. And the more we can know about it, the more we can have conversations. And so this is what Jillian says. She said, we often get asked about food allergies, but not sensitivities or sensory, physical or emotional preferences. Jillian wants to know, how can we make experiences better? Maybe videos, um, journeys, and walkthroughs online before you visit environments. Oh my gosh, there are so many places now, and I've seen this, and I I know, Bridget, you guys do a lot of things like this, where you have, and I talk to my healthcare practitioners about this in particular, um, to video the office, to video what it feels like, and, and sort of do it from a 
first person point of view, like walking up to the office. This is what the door looks like. This is what the waiting room looks like. This is what our bathroom looks like and where it is. This is what the, um, the wait, you know, the, the treatment room looks like. That is so important because for me and a lot of things, I can't prepare properly if I don't have some idea. And it also kind of anxiety thing is like going to new places because I get lost really easily. I have a really cruddy sense of direction and Google tends to make me get lost even worse. <laughs> so I go on adventures. I say a whole lot. So I love that question. What would you say, Bridget, um, to Jillian's question about, you know, how can we make experiences better so that people are more aware of or have these accessibility points for their sensory profiles and more? For sure. Um, my thing, that is such a loaded question because it's, be, the world needs to be more accessible at the end of the day. Like, we, there needs to be more more opportunities for people to have sensory friendly life. I mean, um, Legoland, for example, is a, an autistic certified an autistic certified uh, theme park here in California. They're like one of the first uh, autistic certified uh, places. Like a lot of aquariums are, and just finding different needs for those people who have like uh, need a quiet room or need a private room or whatever the case. Um, talking about like allergies, I, I've just had to tell people that I'm allergic to like shellfish or fish because I say I have a food aversion to seafood. People are going to give me a very weird look. And so we still have a very far way to come as far as um, adapting to those with sensory needs. Um, and people just aren't educated on this and it's very ableistic. Oh my God, the dentist, that's, that's a whole different thing. I just saw Scott's comment. I hate the dentist because I have hypersensitive teeth and I always have to tell the hygienist and the dentist that my teeth are extra sensitive and please don't be, uh, please don't go hard on my teeth or anything. Like I have super sensitive teeth. So they always either uh, will numb me ahead of time or go and use a special tool that like they use for like pediatric patients that use for me because I have hypersensitive teeth. It's, uh, I hate it, but luckily I have a very kind uh, dentist that I see and they're very accommodating and they will do stuff like that. So it's, it's a work in progress. Oh my goodness. Like you two guys just like brought the, the trauma in here. <laughs> trauma like, dumping. Oh my gosh. Seriously though, that and what was interesting, okay, so I discovered this um, in conversation with a friend of mine not too long ago, and we were talking about MCAS and hypermobility, you know, connective disorders, things like that, and how it impacts us. And it was really interesting because I'm also a POTS patient, so I have to be really careful um, between MCAS and POTS and dysautonomia. The dentist is was the thing that al literally almost killed me um, because I had an injection of Novocaine with epinephrine and <sighs> epinephrine can be the trigger. And so it was really horrible. And I didn't just have one injection. I had two that day. Um, so needless to say, within a few hours, I was in the emergency room, but, um, and it immediately hit me when I stood up, but it, it's, it's interesting. I didn't realize what was happening at the time. So it, I, I put off going to the emergency room. <laughs> for hours, which I should not have done. But, you know, when you talk about that, um, my tooth sensitivity, I have noticed when I get things that trigger 
uh, my histamine response, and especially with you having allergies too, my teeth are more sensitive mm-hmm. if I've gotten something because it in, it, it exacerbates your inflammation cycle. Yeah, you're, you're all more connect. inflamed. Mm-hmm. It is all connected, folks. Everything is so connected. And it's like putting those together because my teeth were hurting really bad when I was talking to my friend a couple of weeks ago. And we were kind of diving into the conversation. And I went, oh, my gosh, I just put this together. I accidentally got gluten in something I ate. And my joints have been hurting. And holy cow, my teeth have been hurting. And mm-hmm. it hadn't done it that way before. And I know that with everything kind of changing day to day, that was an interesting insight to have. It's like my teeth hurt more when I had something I was allergic to. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Scott said his with sedation. Mm-hmm. Like I can't even do general anesthesia or topical. And I even went and got tested um, at the allergist because I needed to have a little procedure done. I ended up having a procedure with a saline only injection um, under my arm. And uh, I just want you guys to know that I am like killer warrior um, because I have been carterized with no anesthesia or topical <laughs> anything. And I have been sit, cut and sutured. So without any numbing agent. <laughs> woman. Oh my gosh. I, I don't ever want to have to do it again. And I always tell Josh, you know, Hey, if I am ever in any type of an accident and I need to have surgery, just, we're going to have to just figure it out when it happens because you know, it, tanks my blood pressure and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, we're talking about sensory stuff. It all shows up. Oh my goodness. Let's see. I'm checking the chat here. Yep. Jillian said, thank you. She knows awareness and choice help too. Absolutely. So let's dive into our different senses as we're talking about all seven of the senses. So Bridget and I are gonna kind of go through a couple of these and we're gonna layer in as we talk about them mm-hmm. because there's so many, there's so much more to our sensory system than just like the five things that we think we know about our sensory system. So here we go. The first one is sight, that's your vision. Well, actually your sight is your acuity. Your vision is how your brain processes what you see. That's the vision science part of me. So there we go. <laughs> but we'll, this is, we're just putting it in layman's terms. So your sight, that's your vision, how you see stuff, right? So we can be sensitive to lots of things around sight. We can avoid them. We can seek them. Like I've got sensory sight things that I seek. I love sparkly things. Like what do you seek that makes you happy? Um, I love... Uh... The ocean. I love looking at the different colors of the ocean. Um, I that's one thing. Um, I love brightly colored socks. Um, I am attracted to funky socks. Um, if there if there's a boutique or a store that sells funky colored socks, I'm probably gonna buy them because I love bright colored socks. Um, it's just something I've collected for years on years, and I love. Love, love, love uh, bright colored socks. It's just one of those hyper things that I fixate on. Oh my gosh. See, I totally knew I liked you. And Sydney always has fun socks too. Sydney Elaine Butler, she's got great socks. She even has a fun post on Instagram with the cutest socks ever. I love, I love funky, fun, brightly colored socks too. Oh my goodness. Such a good one. So the second one is hearing. That's your auditory. So here's what's interesting also, because a lot of times we have co-occurring things that show up. So it might not just be a sensory processing disorder. I also have auditory processing delay. So I process things much slower. Mm -hmm. And when I'm in burnout, I've noticed that my processing delay is is exacerbated. Um, Yesterday, 
I wasn't feeling all that great. And I had a lot of congestion and things because I had been cleaning out my car and I was outside. And so my allergies were going bananas. So every time um, Josh's grandmother said something to me, I was going, huh, what? And I could mm-hmm. hear her, but I couldn't process what she was mm-hmm. saying. So a lot of these things do show up together. So no, hey, if you're noticing some of these things, there could be other things that are happening too. So if you're not sure if you have an auditory processing delay, here's how you can kind of tell. So when someone says something to you and you catch yourself a few seconds, you go, what? And then a few seconds later, you're like, oh, never mind. I got it. It's like it finally downloaded. (laughs) That might be an indicator you need to check into auditory processing delay. Okay. So the third one is smell, your olfactory. So this one is, this is interesting because it is avoiding and seeking. So like you and I both avoid seafood smells. Like I even use my peppermint uh, roller that Grace and I were talking about earlier. I will put it under my nose if I'm going somewhere that I know has an aroma to it that may not be my favorite. Um, I learned that from watching a TV show where it was um, detectives and they were going into a crime scene and they put Vicks under their nose. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to try that. Um, so, but then we have things that like we seek, like I love vanilla and lavender and peppermint. What are some of your avoiding and seeking sensory things? Um, avoiding the smell of New York city and the subway. That is a big one for me. Um, it does not smell anywhere over here in Los Angeles where I live. Um, a sensory seeking, um, my animals, um, like my cat, for example, um, that that's a comforting smell. Um, also fam- familiar, fa- familial smells, I guess. So like the hugs of loved ones, like my grandmother or my mom, grandfather, stuff like that. Um, I being an asthmatic or, uh, and allergies and sensory processing disorder. I have a love-hate relationship with like Bath and Body Works because I love, I love a lot of different Bath and Body Works products, but some smells are just like so overpowering. I can't even go near, like I can't, I can't do lavender. Lavender, people love lavender because it's very calming. I can't do it because I'm about to have an asthma attack. <laughs> so like, it's just the, the, the little the little things like that, um, that I've had to like overcome, but I know like, I can't do like chemically smells, uh, forget it. I will, you'll never see me anywhere willingly walking into a cleaning aisle. I will avoid that. I hate the smell of bleach, like stuff like that, but it, it, it goes back to my asthma allergies and my sensory processing disorder because they all intertwine and love to be very comorbid. Oh my gosh. Yes. So Grace loves lilac. She is not a lavender lover. And she's like, she has such a hard time finding anything lilac. I love lilac. We had, um, I, it took me a while to realize that's what it was. So when they redid the landscaping at our tennis club, they had put lilac bushes and they were in bloom. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is the most delightful smell I've ever experienced. And I finally found somebody to tell me what it was and I have loved it. And, but every time, I don't know, Grace, you tell me if you've discovered this, every time I've tried to find a lilac product, it never smells like the lilac bush that I smelled. It's like always more chemically. I don't know if that's just me. Oh, and Jillian says she loves the smell of roses. Oh, I do too. I like, I love the smell of roses and it's hard to find like a real rose. Like they're so hybridized now that they don't always have a 
like that smell that you think mm -hmm. of when you think of a rose anymore. So let's talk about taste, gustatory. Ooh, this really shows up in, and like, like we mentioned kind of earlier, we get accused of being like picky eaters or, you know, you're so difficult. We can't just go get certain foods or we can't cook certain things because you're always freaking out about, you know, it makes you gag or whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what, and there's just certain, like, not just the taste, but the texture, we'll get to that one, but is like, are there tastes that you seek? Like, what do you really love? What's like your favorite taste flavor? Uh, wow. Um, I'm a brunch person. I love breakfast. I love brunch, brunch. I love the smell of brunch and being in a breakfast place. I've been kind of shopping around at the, all the local restaurants in my town to go have all their different brunches because I just love the smell of breakfast on, in, on the weekend. Like I, I like the smell of coffee, but I hate coffee. Like um, it's stuff like that or like maple syrup for waffles or whatever the case may be. Um, I love, I love, uh, I love the taste of pancakes or scrambled eggs. Um, I love butter toast. Like I'm a very simple one when it comes to food. Oh, I love, I am such a breakfast person. So I love brunch. I, one of my favorite is eggs Benedict with grilled asparagus. <laughs> I just, I love the hollandaise. I, I just, I love like the smell of maple syrup on Wow. I love cinnamon rolls. Like I could go on a whole tangent about how I love breakfast food. I love donuts. Like your girl can go to town. You find me a gluten-free brunch restaurant and we are going. <laughs> Luckily LA has a ton of them. I know you live in like the most gluten-free friendly place in the whole world. We're so, we're so doing a girl's trip. I'm coming. <laughs> and then you come back with me. We're going to go to the aquarium, the estuary. Done deal. <laughs> okay. The next one is touch. And I think we touched on, we, ha, that was funny. We touched on this. <laughs> okay. So we talked about what we want to avoid in touching, but what do we want to seek in touching? What, like, what makes you feel so good and like gives you the happy tinglies? My fluffy cat. Oh, I love it. I love it. The fluffy cat. I have, okay, so this is Devra. She is my little tiny squishmallow that I keep at my desk. And there is something about the fabric on this. I will sit here and just pet it with my fingers and just, and I rub the little wings and hello, Devra. <laughs> I mean, that is so calming to me. And it just, mm -hmm. it, there's something about it just like my whole system, like right now, I could just feel I just oh, almost just kind of melt and relax. I love that, that those kind of things can do that for us. Grace hates eggs on multiple sensory issues. I know. So you either love them or hate them. It's like ketchup and corduroy. <laughs> oh, we're definitely making a list from this show, guys, for sure. Oh, uh, Monica says, there's just one perfume that I love released now. It's calming effect on me. Ooh, Monica, what's the perfume? I'm so curious. I love a, I love a good smell. I love uh, Sherpa blankets and cloths. Ooh, yeah, Sherpa feels good. Definitely. So these are the five senses that most people talk about. So let's talk about the other two that often get left out that are a really big part of our sensory systems and experiences. And this is part of the sensory profile tool. I really dive into this and it's so interesting because I hear 
a lot of the feedback, because I'm always asking for feedback, what did you learn? What stood out to you in this tool? Uh, what did you discover about your sensory system? These are the two places that people are usually, holy cow, I had no idea. I had experienced it, but I had no words for it. Or this is something I've always had happen. And I thought maybe it was just me and I was totally weird. But because it's on this sheet, on this tool, I know that it means there's other people too. So I'm, and I'm like, yep, you're not alone on this one. So movement, the vestibular. So when we're talking about vestibular movement, it's the movement and balance sense. It's, it's what gives us information about where our head and body are in space. And it helps us stay upright when we sit, stand and walk. So think about vestibular and like if we had to layer in hypermobility and, and things like that, when your body doesn't necessarily hold its position in a certain place. So movement is a really big thing. And we can move in ways that we seek because it feels really good. So like mm -hmm. stem dancing or like vibrational things like I tap a lot. I do my fingers. I do my fingers into my leg. I do certain types of movements and repetitive movements that feel really good. Mm -hmm. um, I noticed I was when I was editing a video recently, I noticed I do a lot more rocking than I realized. <laughs> And I'm so glad that I got a quiet chair because I'd probably be like squeaking and all kinds of yeah. stuff driving people bananas. So there's certain movements I seek because they regulate and calm my nervous system. And there are definitely some movement challenges that I have because of hypermobility and because of the way my sensory system perceives movement. What about you, Bridget? What have you found in this area? So I have trichotillomania and dermatillomania. So body focused repetitive behaviors are like my bread and butter in life. Those were the things that I had before I knew I had ADHD sensory processing disorder. Um, I'm very much a hair purse, hair texture person. So unfortunately I love to pull out my hair, whether if it's because I'm stressed or anxious or twirling it just because that's something I've done habitually since I was in the eight years old. Um, so it's a pro and a con. Um, another thing when it comes to hypermobility is I'm double jointed. So back in the day before I realized like locking your knees or I could used to like dislocate my shoulders. I don't do that anymore. It's really bad. Um, so there's that. And then Another thing about movements is I've sprained my the ankle four times in within a seven year span and one three times within a year and a half and alone. So I have a really bad left ankle because of um, it's just has no supporting ligaments. And so I could possibly get surgery on my leg in like five years from now. I mean, not like ankle. So it's that hypermobility. And then here's another thing that's very frustrating about being hyper, hyper flexible, hypermobile. Um, I was just recently discharged from physical therapy because I was in a car accident, long story short, whiplash and a back injury. And I was in physical therapy for over a year and two months. And my physical therapist just told me, Bridget, you have so much hypermobility and flexibility that there's not much I can do for you at this point because you have such, you're so flexible. And I'm like, oh, great. So it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. The, the stability part of it really is, I, I have 
my right ankle is mine and I've, I've rolled it and twisted it so many times. I was even in a boot an entire mm -hmm. summer in the coastal heat and humidity <laughs> because I was walking across somebody's front yard to the car and it just, and I mean, I tore ligaments and tendons and it was just horrible. I'm surprised I didn't end up having surgery, but because they were stretchy, they stretched and they didn't tear so much as they, you know, just frayed, I guess is how he explained it. Um, but the other thing about like body, body position, the proprioception, I didn't recognize this until I started to really learn about my sensory profile and how this played in. I've always played sports and I think it's because I was sort of like my mom would sign me up and send me to the different camps to keep me busy and all the things. Mm -hmm. But I've never been really good at any sports. It probably helped me in some ways, but it also hurt me because I ended up having orthoscopic surgery on my right knee at 15 years old um, because I had been playing tennis since I was six and I had twisted it so many times. Mm -hmm. So I'm, and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I couldn't always gauge where my body parts were in relation to the rest of my body parts. And that can be really dis joining and disconcerting when you're navigating the world. I mean, I've got bruises all over me, like little tiny ones, because I just, I run into things. I'll mm -hmm. be standing something. And the next thing I know, yep. I'm like falling over into something. Oh <laughs> it's my. Just like, Holy cow. Where did that, you know, I'm okay. <laughs> just, yeah. Tripping over mom, air. Yes. Oh my gosh. Totally tripping over air. There you go. <laughs> so I hope that the, like digging into these and kind of talking about these two elements of the senses that aren't often talked about are really helping you today. Um, in the sensory toolkit, and I'll be telling you more about how you can get that at the end with a coupon, which is really great because this is um, one of the most helpful tools that I have um, in addition to a couple other ones with the needs reflection form and the unveiling method. And these are the places that people are just like, holy cow, this made one of the biggest differences in just understanding where my energy was going out and coming in when I'm looking at my burnout restoration in particular. So sensory rest, this is one of the seven areas of rest that I teach in the unveiling method. And this is something, if we're talking about our sensory system, we're talking, talking about how we process our sensory world our sensory rest is really important. But when we think about rest, we usually think about how we stop something, how we push pause, how we avoid or disconnect from something. And I'm going to propose something a little bit different, especially because Bridget and I are going to talk about this right now. How does that layer in with our ADHD part of our brain and our sensory system? So here's something to know that's really important about sensory rest. This is how I define it, creating relief from sensory demands, and or conjunction, creating sensory stimulation. Because when as ADHDers, we got to have that dopamine hit, we have a different threshold for how we feel rewarded in things in our experience. And when we're talking about sensory system. And if you're ADHD like me, you got, you know, you got all of these things happening. We have to, and I have to have a balance. There's certain things that I need to stimulate me because when I'm understimulated, it has as much of a draining effect as when I'm overstimulated. And I know that we, that you've got some really great insights into, you know, how do we talk about our sensory system when we also have, maybe we're autistic and ADHD, you know, when we've got 
these other things that kind of come in. What are some thoughts that you have on this or some awarenesses that you've had, Bridget? Uh, sen for sensory rest, uh, it's, I, it's a, I think the best way to put it is that I have to find a way to like, just do nothing like, um, because I'm someone who's always proactive or I was, I, in therapy, I found out that if I'm not doing something, I feel like I'm wasting time or I'm not productive or if I'm not doing something, I'm a waste of space. Like literally that was my thought process for the longest time. And for me, I just had to unplug, whether it was stepping away from my computer, stopping watching TV, um, lying on bed and doing solitaire. Like that's something that I, or like listening to my favorite song for the 500th time. So stuff like that. But I have to really just remove myself from everything and just focus on the one thing that's pretty mindless. Like solitaire for me is pretty mindless. Um, and, and so that's something that I do or else I'll be like pulling my hair out and creating another bald spot or something like that because I am either stressed out or feeling some other emotion. So just needing to be away from everything. You know what? There's a couple of things that came up as you were talking and I love how you sparked my brain. <laughs> One of the things is I found something that, that at the same time simultaneously relaxes me yet stimulates me. And my friend, my friend Gina Jane says, this is crazy. And she's like, Carol Jane, you crack me up. You're the only person that I know that, but I don't think I'm the only person. So I'm going to share it because I think somebody else out there might get this. So I have the daily crossword app on my phone and it has a timer on it. Well, I have a set time. So for a mini crossword, I have to do it in 30 seconds or less. For the two big crosswords, it's, I say, five minutes on one of them and four minutes and 30 seconds on the other one. That's the time. Like, and I compete with myself, not mm -hmm. with anybody else. I could care less, but I am super competitive. So there is a ranking thing and I like to be number one. <laughs> so I'll do a bunch of mini ones to like get extra points. But it's relaxing for me because I just, it's a lot of it is kind of mindless in a lot of ways for me. Um, but it's also stimulating because I'm like looking at the clock. And I got a little bit of that time pressure, you know, mm -hmm. and Gina Jay's like, that just sounds like the most horrible thing in the whole world to do something to a timer. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but there's that, it, that's where I found my balance. That's one of the, mm -hmm. the yeah, my solitaire's timed too. And so I'm always trying to beat my record. <laughs> oh my gosh. See, it's not just me. <laughs> oh, see, I love that so much. That's awesome. The other thing that came up as you were sharing that you know, one of the things that when we're talking about our sensory system, a lot of it is how much of my nervous system is regulated and how is my nervous system dysregulated, right? Because that's our sensory system impacts our nervous system. And it's really interesting when we look at and in, in the sensory tool, it helps you look at what do you sensory seek and what do you sensory avoid? And when we look at this from a burnout perspective, when we can identify out of this you know, big list of things that I give you and we break it down into different categories. What are you seeking? That also tells us in burnout right now what your need is, what you're, what you're looking for, if it's a calm regulating thing, mm -hmm. what the experience is when you seek that thing. So when you can start having those kind of tools and incorporate them, one of the ones that I have found for me, and I, I use this with my clients in the unveiling method, is breathing, just the breath. 
it's amazing. I always thought, I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to sit here and breathe. This is so stupid. <laughs> I'd be like, I was so antsy. I just couldn't sound like, okay, I'm done. But I hold my breath a lot. I used to, I'm a lot better about it now. I hold, I would catch myself holding my breath all the stinking time. I'd be like, <gasps> all of a sudden gasping for air <laughs> because I was concentrating and holding my breath and how that shows up in your nervous system and your subconscious and then how it affects your sensory system. It all plays in the same sandbox. <laughs> Do you ever have that happen, Bridget? Sometimes I, I talk really fast and then I get winded and out of breath. Um, that's one thing that happens. Oh, I never knew that. Um, I, but no, I hate deep breathing. I truly, I hate deep breathing. I hate this. I hate the sound of breathing. I hate, like, it feels like someone's in my ear and it's, I can't, I hate the smell of, I, not the smell, the, the sound of it makes me so anxious. It's stressed out. It's like when people are tapping or chewing gum or chomping, like I can't like the, it's the same breath of deep breathing and something I, my therapist was like, okay, so breathing isn't for you. There's other things that as coping skills, I happen to know you'll never ever hear me willingly like inhale, exhale. That is definitely um, one of those things that over the process of my burnout restoration journey, it's interesting as my sensory system and my nervous system started to de-escalate and started to become more consistently in a neutral zone, how things like breathing, I could, I could do it. I can do that now. Um, and, and when I, I didn't even realize like what it was to experience, what like calm mind and body was until I did 12 breaths and it was like four rounds of, of deep, of the particulars called falling out breath. And I was like, oh my gosh, whoa, I, I've never visited this place or not in, in like recent 40 year memory. <laughs> right. So it's like, you know, there's these different things that we can experience and that we can't necessarily get to them till we get to like that first step, right? To like really start looking at, well, what actually helps me regulate and calm right now? It may not be breathing. It may be, you know, like touching something. It may be looking at something. It may be, you know, solitaire with a timer <laughs> kind Our of thing. thing is uh, drinking ice water. Ah, yes. Because we you know we really got your vagal nervous system, you know, with mm -hmm. like chewing gum and swallowing because of your vagus nerve. So there's all these different things, but we don't know these. Nobody just like talks about us this to, with us. No one teaches this in school. And I I advocate for these types of learning things um, from kindergarten up preschool and up actually, uh, because for everybody, I think every human needs to know how do we regulate our nervous system? How do we understand our sensory system? So we've got a quick question here in the chat from Jillian. She says, are there things like Lego that can help with sensory stimulation or relaxation? Oh, most definitely. I did um, the Lego succulents uh, for my for Christmas, I got them for Christmas. Those were really calming. And then they've got like little moving parts. And for me, what about you, Bridget? Um, I will, I found that at my desk, but I have, uh, they're not tangles, but they're, to they're, they're a fidget toy that you put click back together and pull away. I, I can play with that for like hours. So that's- Is it the magnet kind or the- No, it's a, it's a clicky, it's a clicky clicky uh, fidget toy. And I, 
I've had the same one since the third grade that I got from like this, my little student store uh, that they had at like the Scholastic bookstore one day and I bought it and I've had the same one since I was eight years old. Oh, totally. So one of the things that really helps, my friend Joe owns a company called Kaiko Fidgets. And you guys hear me talk about this product all the time, but the spiky fidget ring, that is like for my ADHD and just from a sensory tactile standpoint, rolling that on my finger gives my sensory nervous system like the happy joy. It calms me. It allows me to focus. It's crazy. I had no idea. Like first time I touched it, I'm like, oh, no. That's too, mm -mm, nope, that's too much. And then one day I was just fiddling with it during a Zoom and I was like, all of a sudden I had like laser focus and I was like, whoa, what happened? And I'm like, it's this thing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so if, you know, Jillian, you were asking about different things. So sensory things that create sensory stimulation and things that also uh, create sensory rest. Um, I did an episode last month in the Shine a Light campaign with Brian Collins, where we talked about public spaces and different environments. So go check that episode out. I think you'll get a lot of really good insights because he shares a lot of different ways to create um, public spaces and rooms. He was a former Disney Imagineer. And so he definitely has some amazing insights into creating spaces for, from a sensory perspective. So guys, I am so excited that you joined us today. And oh my gosh, Bridget, this has been the most amazing conversation. I don't know if you guys out there watching today have loved this as much as I have, but Bridget has given me some major things to think about, some serious breakthroughs. Holy cow, girlfriend, you are awesome sauce. <laughs> as are you, Carol, as are you and everyone watching. Um, it's very therapeutic for me to talk about sensory processing disorder and being sensory friendly, sensory aversion, sensory, just sensory sensitivities. Like there's just so much out there and people aren't aware of it until you bring it up to them. They're not. And I think the more that we can have these conversations amongst ourselves so that we can bring and elevate our awareness and create um, a more rounded vocabulary to explain what we've experienced amongst ourselves. That makes it easier than to translate into to sharing that with other people yeah. so that we're starting to bridge that understanding about what it means to be a neurodistinct brain and body in the world. Thank you so much for being here today, Bridget. So guys, I promised the sensory profile tool information. So the sensory profile tool, I broke it out and put it in its own little accessibility package for you guys to buy. And it comes with some amazing bonuses. So bonus number one is you get how to get out of the thinking traps, because that's usually what gets in the way of asking or getting our needs met. And it, a lot of the times it starts with us, the internal traps that we set for ourselves and our own thinking, because, you know, we get in the loop, right? So bonus number one, to help you implement all of your sensory profile um, tools that you learn in this reflection module is how to get out of those thinking traps. Well, if we're in the thinking trap, Carol Jean, how do I get out of it? Well, you get out of it with bonus number two, which is the four steps to empowered thinking. How do I flip the script, as my friend Scott says, and get out of the thinking traps and into empowered thinking? How do I start to embrace what I need in the world? And this one, number three, 
bonus is you get a 30 minute sensory profile strategy session with me. That alone is $125 value. This is a $236 value product. It is $37. And today for you guys, all the way through June the 3rd, you get $20 off with the code sensory, S-E-N-S-O-R-Y, and you can get it for only $17. I wanted to kick off your summer really powerful, make it fun, let you get into summer with some fun things to start working on to help your sensory system, to help bring down your burnout level. Because, you know, we're all a little spicy sometimes when we are late identified and getting out of that spicy and actually into full restoration and thrive has just been completely life-changing for me. And I want to help you get there too. The link's down in the show notes. Go grab that, get your sensory profile tool and start your first steps to burnout restoration and all focused on your sensory system. So guys, have a fantastic summer. The show will be live back on August the 1st. We'll have a few little things here and there. Check me out over on TikTok. I'm gonna be posting some fun, like behind the scenes things with my move and all of the stuff happening in the world and behind scenes getting ready for the book launch. We do have Autistics in the Workforce coming up in August. This will be our second year. And holy cow, Scott Frasar, Dr. Ali Arena and I are gonna be talking all about how can we use chat GPT to level the playing field in the interview and recruitment process. Ha <laughs> right, Bridget? We may have to get you in on this one. <laughs> I've never used chat GBT or uh, ever in my life. I just know it's an AI magical tool. Well, I, Scott and Allie and I have been diving into it. I'm looking at it as how can this be a tool to help um, for executive function issues that we have? How do we use it to um, reduce demand to make our burnout restoration a little Mm -hmm. bit easier in our lives? And we really want to look at how can this also maybe level the playing field because of how um, the interview and job process goes? Um, when it comes to our communication style and how might we be able to use that to benefit us to level that playing field um, that some of those automated programs for keyword searches might be kicking our resumes out, right? So guys, be sure you check back, join me over on TikTok at My Autistic Brain, and we will be back live August the 1st. Thanks so much for being here, Bridget. This has been fantastic. And as always, my friend, you are such a joy to visit with. (laughs) Thank you so much, Carol, for having me. And again, thank you everyone for tuning in and asking such uh, engaging questions and um, being really awesome. And I love this type of inclusivity in this type of space. So it was great to be here. Thank you. Bye guys. Thank you for joining us today on the Mind Your Autistic Brain talk show. We'll be back with more exciting and stimulating topics next week. In the meantime, why not subscribe to the show and share it with someone who you think would benefit from it? I'd love to hear your feedback, so feel free to leave a five-star review, if I've earned it, on your favorite viewing or listening platform. Till next time, take care and stay empowered.